Welcome to Worldview Matters, discussing controversial issues, discerning current events, defending biblical Christianity. No topic off limits. And now, here's your host, David Fiorazzo. Hey friends, uh, busy week. It's been a blessing to get to talk to some of the guests we get to talk to every week. And today is no different. I've got J.B. Hickson back with us, pastor and author. His most recent book, Spirit of the False Prophet, The Rise of the Global Technocracy. And of course, that is in a series, uh, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volumes 1 and 2. And I know there's a package deal, I believe, you can get on his website, notbyworks.org. Um, JB, welcome and Happy New Year, brother. Good to see you again. Hey, Happy New Year, David. Uh, really uh, just uh, looking forward to the discussion and uh, I hope, uh, I know we're looking forward to a great year ahead in spite of all of the uh, craziness and I know yes. uh, you are too at Worldview Matters. Yes, and uh, we got to bring back people back to the Word of God. That's got to be mm -hmm. our foundation always as Christians, but especially in, in the year that uh, some of us are anticipating, not necessarily prophesying, but it's going to be with the election and with the, the political divide, with the globalists and what's going on in the country, even in the churches. Man, we've got to be grounded. So that's what we're going to talk about today. This is JB's suggestion. I love it. We're going to talk about common mistakes in Bible interpretation. And I just want to go to one of the scriptures that you gave me, JB, Second uh, Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse... Yeah, verses 16 and 17, key verses here, because all Scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. Uh, JB, uh, what do you want to start with today? Yeah, that's a great passage. It's great for so many reasons. Of course, all Scripture is inspired. Yeah. We know that that's, in fact, what this verse says. Yeah. But here we have at the end of Paul's life, you know, the last letter that he wrote, uh, as far as we know, uh, inspired in the, in the Scriptures. And he leaves us with this reminder about the importance of the written Word of God. That word Scripture is graphe in Greek. It's, it means uh, written words. It's where we get the English word graffiti. Uh, so you write graffiti, you know, on the on on something so it's the written word of God that's so important and I just it just the Lord convicted me over the last week or so as I was having my devotions and and wrapping up the year and getting geared up for some podcasts uh, in the first week of this year that in such a time as this we've got to stay rooted in the word of God you know but Bible tells us the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path and but the word of God is only as effective as it is correctly handled. You know, another passage earlier in that same letter in 2 Timothy 2.15, uh, Paul says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth or correctly handling the word of truth. So yeah, I thought, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of you know, people out there quoting scriptures right and left and making, you know, false predictions and hyping up fear and, and kind of doing it all under the, the guise of the Bible. I think it'd be helpful to remind folks of some common mistakes when, when that, that we often make if we're not careful when we read the Word of God. 
Yeah, that's a good place to go because I think we need to be cautious and we need to be watchful of those misinterpretations that we hear other people. And sometimes, you know, we hear things and we repeat them without really going to the Word of God and uh, looking at, is that an accurate interpretation? So one of the things that uh, you wanted to talk about, JB, is just the failure to acknowledge the original intent. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so, you know, a lot of times uh, people have the mistaken notion that the Bible is some kind of a mystical book because, you know, all of the other false religions out there were based upon demonically inspired false books, you know, yes. and so somehow the devil has convinced people that the Bible is just another spiritualized, you know, book. And what we need to, to realize instead is that, you know, this book is is written in a historical context through the power of the Holy Spirit, carrying these, you know, some 40 different human authors that that wrote over a period of 1,500 years and revealed exactly what God wants us uh, wants us to know. So it really is, as Hebrews 4.12 tells us, you know, alive and active. It's powerful. It's cutting. It, it, speak, it cuts right to the heart of the matter. It's infallible. And, and so, you know, one of the most common mistakes people make is they, they, they treat the Bible as if it's some kind of a spiritualized, mystical, allegorical body of work, and that mm. you know you read a, a verse and then you you kind of look to the clouds or, or look at a bowl of spaghetti or try to divine some goosebump <laughs> meaning you know from it. When in reality, the Bible is just a book that is written using. Uh, language using grammar and syntax and normal rules of language uh, in Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek, the original languages that the the Bible was written in. And so it's really not that complicated. I mean, no. we don't do that with any other book. You know, we don't pick up a, a novel that we might be reading, say a Tom Clancy novel, and we read a paragraph and go, boy, I wonder what that really means. Let me read between the lines and try to divine some weird <laughs> mystical meaning. No, we just read it and it, we understand it. And and that's uh, that's the way the Bible works, except that unlike any other book, when we understand it in its original context, it's powerful, it's infallible, it's yes. true, capital T. Isn't that interesting how we want to read into something? And what does that? And you know what I hate the expression. What does that mean to me? Oh yeah. You know, oh no, no. We just stop right there. What does it mean? What did God mean when He said that? And by the way, God speaks through men. And we had Russ Miller on uh, Monday on Worldview Matters. We talked about the importance of Genesis. You get Genesis wrong. And yeah. if you don't believe that's the Word of God and that is inspired, whether that's the creation account, uh, how God created male and female, whether that's original sin, whether that's the global flood, if you get something, take any one of those out, how, how do you base your faith on anything if the God's Word is not intact as a whole? I want to share with you a couple scriptures that really speak to me when I think about this topic and get your response. It's... Um, 2 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 19, it says, So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Verse 20 says this, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture becomes a matter of someone's own interpretation. For no 
prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but mm -hmm. men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. I know you've preached on this a lot, JB. I'm sure you have a lot to share about it. What? Just go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I just alluded to that a moment ago when I talked about how these 40 human authors were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's what that yep. phrase, you know, moved by the Holy Spirit means. But yeah, the, the Peter is, uh, when you mentioned 2 Peter 2, uh, 2 Peter 1, my mind immediately went to verse 3, uh, which is worth mentioning as well, where it talks about in God's word, we have everything we need for life yes. and godliness. But Amen. you're right, at the end of the chapter, he makes it clear that the word of God is of divine origin. It's, it's not man-made. Um, you know, uh, that, that word interpretation, it's not of any private interpretation in Greek. That literally means origin. So what he's saying is, you know, the, the, these men of God were a conduit for God's self-revelation to the world. It, the Bible is God's way of saying, here I am, look at me. Everything we need to know about our Creator is contained within the pages of, of the Bible. And, you know, going back to Genesis, you're right, if, if that's where it all starts, we've been convinced by bad teaching that, you know, you can allegorize the first 11 chapters of the Bible with the creation account, the flood account, even the Nephilim and things like that. And once you start allegorizing, uh, then then you're never going to arrive at the correct meaning going forward, particularly about prophetic things. But uh, in case our uh, viewers don't know, allegor allegorizing just means the meaning of the text arises in your own mind. Like you have this fanciful idea so that when the Bible talks about, for example, the promises to Israel, you can change that to mean, no, no, he really means the church. But nothing about the words on the page would lead you to that conclusion. That's right. a preconceived idea. So that's allegorizing the text. And instead, we need to let the words on the page speak for themselves. It'd be like if I w walked up to a uh, McDonald's uh, counter and I said, I'd like a Big Mac and fries. And the, the person on the other side of the counter says, well, you said Big Mac and fries, but what I think you really meant was, was a, a chicken sandwich. <laughs> a, yeah, right. So they don't get to determine what I mean, and we right. don't get to determine what the Bible means. We discover Amen what it means by handling it correctly, but God determines what it means. Amen. Um, brother, in the notes that you sent me, you've got in parentheses, um, when it, we're talking about failure to acknowledge the original intent, also has implications for interpreting the U.S. Constitu Constitution, because we're talking about uh, mistakes people make in Bible interpretation. Could you explain? I, I find that to be just a fascinating thought. Yeah, so in the same way that the Bible is the 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 you know guidebook for life for all of humanity, the Constitution is supposed to be the guidebook, the authoritative word for our country, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so in the same way that people take the Bible and they forget about original intent, it doesn't matter what Paul meant when the quill hit the sheepskin and he was writing to the Thessalonians or whoever, they just make it out to mean whatever they want. They're doing the same thing in our country today, the progressives are, with yes. the Constitution. Uh, you you may remember, you and I are old enough to remember back during the uh, Bush-Gore debates when they were asked about how, what kind of Supreme Court justice they might uh, you know, nominate. And, uh, of course, Bush said he would nominate a strict constitutionalist. And Gore famously said, you know, I believe the Constitution is a living, breathing text that changes with each, you know, generation. And so wow. uh, what they're basically doing is allegorizing the Constitution, which is 
which is crazy because we have all kinds of uh, you know data and writings and, and and articles and letters from the the founders who wrote the Constitution, so that we have no question what they meant. For example, the Second Amendment. There's no question what they meant. They wanted <laughs> the the American population to be able to arm themselves to protect themselves against the government. That's what they yeah. meant. Yep. It wasn't about hunting. It wasn't about you know anything else. So, but you know, here we are, two hundred years later, and they're twisting the words. And so that's why original intent is such a critical uh, a critical concept. That's an excellent point. I love that because it's true. And some people, I'll even go so far to say, as you think about what they, meaning they uh, on the left, progressives, uh, people that do not uphold the biblical worldview, what they've done to the U.S. Constitution when it comes to the history books or when it comes to the idea that it's a changing, a living, breathing document. It, we have Christians in the church that believe that about the Word of God, sadly, which is yeah. so, so, um, it's it's very disappointing, JB, not surprising, but disappointing, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, in in this in the in, in seminary in the in in the academic world, they call how to study the Bible. They call it hermeneutics, right? It's your hermeneutic, the method of studying the Bible. Well, in uh, theology these days, it's it's really drifted, like so many other things, into a liberal uh, realm where they have a whole new hermeneutic uh, that is called the redemptive movement hermeneutic, or this idea that every new generation can see something different in the Bible. And so, for example, even though the Bible plainly uh, says that homosexuality is an abomination to a holy God. Well, those people didn't know any better back then. Now we're smarter and better, and we can reinterpret the Bible uh, wow. to mean something different. And that's uh, you know that's a travesty. It basically makes truth a moving target. Sounds like there's an assault on the image of God. Anyway, sure, uh, we've got sure to does. take a quick break. A lot more coming up. The website is notbyworks.org. And more with J.B. Hickson in a minute. Today's show is brought to you by Harbinger's Daily. World news biblically understood. Stay informed at harbingersdaily.com. Did you see what I did there? I plugged my own book. That was a subliminal message. Um, no, seriously, um, I will say that because JB is an author. Uh, he knows how this goes, uh, Christian books, trying to get the word out there. Um, uh, it's a battle. And, you know, December may have been good, but January comes around and sales typically drop and kind of, you know, taper off a bit. So we're just always reminding you the books are out there. Thank you. Uh, Jeff, for putting that up. Um, and JB's, of course, a spirit of the false prophet. Now, JB, how long can we say as authors, uh, this is the latest or this is the, this is a new book or this is the latest book? Can, is there a nine month window? Is there a year? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, mine's probably approaching that. Uh, I mean, we we call it new till the next one comes out. I try to do one a year, but uh, in my case, yours is definitely new. And by yeah. the way, everybody needs to get, I'm looking at it right now across from my camera here in my shelf, Assault on the Image of God. Everybody needs to get that. Uh, as always, uh, David does phenomenal work in terms of research and just putting his finger on the problems in our culture today. Uh, but uh, my latest book came out in September. So what's that? Four, three or four oh, that's months? Still new. I think it still Very qualifies new. Yeah. as new. Yeah. 
Yeah, yours is yours is yours is very new. Mine is brand new. Let's just that's, do that. That's a good okay. way to put it. Yeah. Okay, JB. One of the things I wanted to, on this topic ask you about is Israel because we're talking about common mistakes in Bible interpretation. We can yeah. talk prophecy, but we can talk about what's happened even in America, where we're seeing a lot of people in churches. Of course, the big one is replacement theology, but let's share your thoughts on the dangers of misinterpreting Scripture when it comes to Israel. Oh, yeah, that's a perfect example. So so many people look at the newspaper or current events first and then the Bible second, and they interpret the Bible through the lens of culture. It's got to be the other way around. The Bible yeah. is unchanging. It's infallible. It's reliable. So we always start with the Bible. And so what happened over the you know 2,000 years of church history is as Israel disappeared from the map as a nation after Rome invaded in 70 AD, uh, Bible students you know, found it harder and harder to accept the plain fact of the unconditional promises to Israel for a future land and kingdom and temple and king and so forth. And so along about the third or fourth century with uh, church fathers like Origen and Augustine, uh, they began to spiritualize the text and say that the church was the new Israel and that God was through with Israel. Now, if they'd have just uh, stuck with the Bible and the plain, normal teaching of God's Word in, in plain, you know, Latin in their day or English in our day, it, it sh they should never have made that mistake. That's right. Uh, but they, they did. And so, and then what happened in 1948 is, is miraculously, just as God's Word said, Israel became a nation again. And now all of a sudden people are rethinking the, the biblical texts related to Israel in the Old and New Testament. And they're realizing, you know what? God's word is true. Let every man be a liar. And and this is this is God's plan for the future. Israel has a future. And so I believe one of the biggest signs of the times of our day is all that's happening in Israel mm -hmm. right now. It's it's uh, heating up. The, the stage is being set for the Battle of Gog and Magog and other end times battles. And, uh, you know, people need to let the text speak for itself. Yes. And that necessarily will help them arrive at a, a dispensational, pre-tribulational understanding of Scripture. Yeah, I love uh, our friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Andy Woods, in his book, The Middle East Meltdown. He talks a lot about that coalition of nations rising up against Israel. I don't know when that came out, maybe, I don't know, five, six years ago, I'm, I'm guessing. But what's happening now is it's, you see it ramping up. One thing, JB, um, was it the Emperor Hadrian that uh, mockingly used the word uh, Palestine was it him and and yeah. what century was that? Can you refresh our yeah? That's another that? example. I, I was just talking to Dr. Randall Price about that, and uh, I don't remember the exact time frame, but yeah, that's that's another classic example of going to culture and and politics and mm. you know current events first rather than letting you know the bible speak for itself i mean you go back to 2000 bc when god made the unconditional promise to abraham and he spelled it out in, in genesis 15 he, the boundaries of the land there's no question that the land belongs to israel that yeah. the palestinian notion it came along century you know millennia later so it's really, it's really amazing, and people just don't, don't think, don't connect the dots. They're, they're thinking, well, Israel wasn't in the land until 1948. 
and or the Jews weren't. I'm thinking, okay, didn't we just celebrate the birth of Jesus? Wasn't Jesus Jewish? Yeah. And was he in the land 2,000 years ago? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, especially young people, you know, uh, over the holidays, I had the, the opportunity to talk to, you know, a lot of you know millennials and even and younger, and they're buying into the narrative of the genocide, that, that somehow Israel is guilty of, of wow. genocide. Well, make no mistake about it. Uh, Israel is the good guy here, and Hamas is the bad guy. And, you know, Israel is not perfect. They may, you know, make a mistake here and there. War is messy. It's tragic. It's terrible. It's horrific. But, you know, Israel is by no means the aggressor here. And uh, and yet that's the narrative that's being, you know, pushed out there. And sadly, uh, the young people are, are buying into it thanks to all the propaganda on, on the internet. I just want to share just one quick scripture. I know we're kind of getting slightly off topic because we're talking about mistakes in Bible interpretation, but I just shared this on my Facebook this morning from Psalm 111. It says, The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. And then it says, He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever holy and awesome is his name the fear of the lord lord is the beginning of wisdom all those who practice it have a good understanding and his praise endures forever but it it talks often about in the old testament in the psalms and other places my eyes seem to pick that out now after what happened in early october with the brutal attacks the demonic attacks by hamas on israel when it talks about you know his covenant he has commanded his covenant forever he sent redemption to his people um so there's a lot yeah. of scriptures that we overlook and we i don't know how you can misinterpret things like that but i guess people do human nature go ahead whatever you want to yeah. discuss no i think i did a message here recently before christmas on israel and god's plan of the ages and it's not just the plain normal understanding of the old testament passages the new testament is yeah. clear too you know the yeah. olive tree analogy in, in 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 romans 11 the book of revelation my goodness you can't even read that book without seeing israel almost every other uh, verse uh, alluded to and spelled out and the 144,000 jewish witnesses and the two witnesses and the temple and the abomination of desolation. And so unless you just allegorize, as replacement theologians do, the entire book of Revelation, <laughs> just like do Ezekiel 40 to 48 in the Old Testament, uh, it's, it's plain as day. And so this is why, you know, we're talking about this today is that in such a time as this, as we seem to be gearing up for the last of the last days, uh, it's more important than ever for us to rightly handle uh, the Word of God. Uh, JB, one of the things you sent me in the bullet points was um, common mistakes, searching for multiple meanings of a single passage. Yeah. Um, I had to think about that. I'm thinking, okay, well, if you read a passage and look at contextually and try to understand its meaning, why would you want to search for multiple meanings? Can you explain that? Oh yeah, it's very common. It's it's a it's a it's a principle called the singularity of meaning, uh, and a lot of people hold to the multiplicity of meaning. And so uh, you kind of alluded to it. I don't remember if it was early on in the program or maybe off air, but you know, modern Bible study basically amounts to ten people sitting in a circle in someone's living room and going around the circle and saying, "What does it mean to me?" Yeah. And the more fanciful and and crazy and 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 complex the meaning, the more everybody in the room goes, "Oh wow, that's amazing. I wish I." was as spiritual as you. I didn't see that in there at all. Well, oh, it's because it wasn't in there. Uh, so <laughs> exactly. this gets into the difference between meaning 
and significance. When the quill hit the sheepskin, the creator of the universe intended to communicate one thing in the same way that we do when we talk, right? When yeah. I ask you, what time are we doing the podcast today? And you say noon or whatever. I don't have to wonder, well, what else does he mean? Or what else could that mean? I know what you mean. It means one thing. And yet we are so prone to assume that one passage can have multiple meanings. And and, there, and mm-hmm. the problem with that is if a passage can have more than one meaning, then it can have an infinite number of meanings. There's no limit. And so we've got to hold on to the the singularity of meaning. It doesn't mean just because two people come to the same passage and one says it means this and another says it means that, either uh, one's right and one's wrong, or perhaps they're both right. I mean, both wrong, hmm. but they cannot both be right. That That's not possible. Yeah. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. Amen. Good point, brother. Uh, do you think one of the reasons for that, I know we're running out of time, really quick, do people tend to want to, especially in America, maybe romanticize the scriptures and uh, like, you know, God wants to give you the desires of your heart. So what does that mean to me? What is that saying to me? Do you, do you think that's part of the problem? I do. Yeah, it's called proof texting. We, we really love to pull a passage out of context and, yeah. and make it all about us. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jeremiah <laughs> 29, 11, you know, all of those types of passages. Um, and the fact of the matter is um, there are two problems with that when you do that. Number one, you're wrongly interpreting the Bible, but number two, you're missing out on the the value and the preciousness mm. of the actual meaning. For yes. example, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, you know, God has plans for Israel. If we really understood that that's a national promise to Israel, that's encouraging. It shows us that our God's a covenant keeping God. Yes. that He loves His people. That He keeps His promises. So, yeah, that's. I think you're right. It's it, it is a, a form of romanticizing. Yep. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people take that, you know, ger- you know, a future and a hope. Oh, that's for me. Yeah. No, the context is that was to Israel. And wasn't that in context right after God was talking about judging them? <laughs> yeah, and the new covenant, the whole yeah. new covenant promises of Jeremiah 31. Now, it's true. I know we're out of time, but it's true that God has plans for individuals. Yes, no question yes. about it. He yeah. loves you. He has a plan for you. All of it, But that's not what that verse means. Right, right. Amen. Brother, uh, this has to continue. I love these ty- types yeah. of conversations. We need to get back to be just grounded in the Word, and uh, that's our foundation for the crazy times. We will, and I'm not a prophet, we will experience and go through in 2024 most likely in some way. But brother, notbyworks.org, thank you for your time again. We will talk to you soon. Amen. God bless. Thanks, JB. All right, guys, I'm just going to look ahead to next week and just uh, share who we have on the li- in the lineup, on the lineup, whatever you want to say. Um, Matt Truella, we haven't had him on Worldview Matters yet. He's a pastor and uh, he's with uh, Missionaries, founder of Missionaries to the Preborn. I'm looking forward to talking with Matt. I actually quote him as well as I quoted JB and many others in my book. Um, Rusty Thomas, he's an author and uh, voice uh, in the pro-life movement. Uh, Rusty's got some updates for us. Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And uh, Pastor Dean Dwyer of, uh, um, in Australia there, we're going to definitely uh, catch up with him. He had a big accident, a major accident in December. We're going to tell you about that story and how he's doing. But uh, so blessed to be able to talk to the people we do here. Thanks for your support and your prayers and for sharing. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.